0: the Jim Caviezel film that is five years in the making. Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. Welcome to the month of July Glad to be out of June. June was stacked, y'all, and July is going to be just as stacked. There's a lot going on in terms of movies this month. And we're hitting the ground rolling. So today is July 3rd. And I just got out of the movies and I saw Sound of Freedom. I just want to like kind of roll into it and just get started. So many of you are probably wondering, okay, what is this? You may not have heard of it. There's been kind of a social media push for this movie. I've seen a lot on Twitter, um, Instagram, even on TikTok um i don't think i've seen any real trailers for this movie in theaters and y'all know i go to the movies quite a bit i see a variety of different kinds of movies so i haven't seen a trailer in theaters for this i'm trying to remember how i stumbled upon this i can't remember if i saw something on twitter i was like oh that's interesting and then looked it up on amc or if i was just scrolling trying to find something to watch and there it was who knows anyways so this movie here there's a lot to talk about So this is Sound of Freedom, directed by Alejandro Monteverde, stars Jim Caviezel. You probably know Jim Caviezel. He was in a couple of thrillers here and there in the early 2000s. He is best known, though, for playing Jesus Christ in Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. So if you've never seen that movie, you know his face. Real talk, though, I had the hugest crush on him when I was really young. But that's neither here nor there, right? So Jim Caviezel, Bill Camp. Jose Zuniga, Eduardo Veras Diguí. if I mispronounce any of these names, I'm so sorry. It's been so long since I've been in a Spanish language class. Manny Perez, Jessica Baroto, um, and a special little shout out to Cristal Aparicio. We are going to talk about her a little bit later. So, and also Mira Sorvino in this film. She has a very small role as um, the main character's wife. Jim Caviezel plays Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard is kind of based on a true story, was an FBI agent um, hunting down pedophiles and kind of gets into the the weeds of realizing there's a whole nother side of the coin with respect to you know chasing down sex trafficking the united states doesn't do a whole lot of the the united states government they do more now but there was a time when it was all about catching the pedophiles getting the pedophiles off the internet getting them off the streets but there's a whole other side of that coin okay we're catching the pedophiles but what about the children and that kind of goes into that area you have a man here who's been hunting down pedophiles for over a decade now realizes hey what happens to the kids on the other side of the screen. So, he is an FBI agent. He arrests this man who's in the process of uploading, you know, child pornography and he decides to take it a step further. Cuz a guy asks him, you know, coming out of a car like, "You how many pedophiles have you put away?" and he says, you know, in the number, you know, somewhere in the 200s and asks him well, how many children have you rescued. So, he goes to this, you know, pedophile and arranges to buy a child now a lot the scene in itself seems a little like nonsensical almost like there's no way it's that easy i don't know if you know anything about like pedophile behavior but they're very quick to want to share their exploits um they have a tendency to just to, to trust when they really shouldn't, so it completely makes sense that he would make himself available to this guy, be vulnerable for before him. You know, present himself as an ally. Hey, guy, I'm like you. I, I you know, I want to do what you do. Or there's more people in this, you know, in this business who are like you than you realize. And this guy's more than willing to just kind of share what he knows and do what he says. So he provides a child for him to buy, and this little boy uh, who's about seven and a half, eight years old whom he calls Teddy Bear. Now, Teddy Bear is a child that we meet at the beginning of the movie, him and his sister Rocio from Tegus, which is the capital city of Honduras, Tegucigalpa. Um, I think the more formal, a lot of locals call it is Tegus. And that's what I've always heard was Tegus. So they're from the city of Teguz. Their father kind of falls for a trap. Um, this woman shows up to their house saying, oh, I heard you singing. You're so beautiful. I think she'd be great for this. We have an audition. Bring her by. They, he brings them to the audition and uh, says, hey, you know, no parents allowed. Come back for them at 7. He comes back at 7, and they're gone. Now they're, his children have been sold, and he runs across the young boy named Miguel, whom they call Teddy Bear, in the middle of this kind of fake buy, stops them at the U.S.-Mexico border, rescues him. And, you know, talking to this little boy, finds out not only has this young boy been sexually assaulted, um, he has a sister named Rocio who gave him a pendant. Uh, looks like it might be like a St. Timothy medallion, something that I know a lot of Catholics receive around confirmation or something to that effect. But it's a, a, a medallion that s- says Timoteo. Interestingly enough, this man's name is Timothy and ask him, are you the one who rescues children? And he gives him this necklace, you know, because he vows he's going to find his sister. And that's where our journey kind of begins of him, you know, on this rescue mission to find this one girl. Where do I even begin with this? So it, me sitting in the theater, just, you know, how I was feeling watching this, knowing this is a very intense subject. And I figured it would be, you know, I've, I've watched movies before that are about intense Subjects, You know, this isn't the first movie or television show that I've watched that has been about or featured human trafficking to some degree. But this was definitely the most intense. Um, I was on the verge of crying pretty much the whole movie. Like I I wasn't quite ready to cry, but I was I was very tight, very anxious, very tense in this movie, kind of wondering what's going to happen next and never quite ready to cry. But once the movie was over and I exhaled, oh, I cried. I just, just a hot mess. In the theater. And it wasn't just me, the people around me, everyone just kind of let out this breath and the emotions just kind of came out of nowhere. This is a very intense movie. So if you're someone who needs trigger warnings, I guess this is your trigger warning. Okay, this is a very intense movie. And it does not shy away from the dirty details. Now, obviously, we're not seeing anything explicit. But we're given enough images to understand what's happening and what's going on enough for us to kind of feel the personal Personal weight of the evil that's being done. Does that make sense? So yeah, this movie is very intense. Jim Caviezel is not new. He's been around for a very long time. And he was actually handpicked by Tim Ballard himself to play this role much in the same way that Michael Jordan's mother handpicked Viola Davis to portray her in the movie Air, the Ben Affleck film that came out just a couple of months ago. So he handpicked Jim Caviezel to play this role. They don't really look much alike. Jim Caviezel, you know, You know, blue eyed, dark hair, very much my type. You know, dark hair, bright eyes. It's my thing. Um, dyes his hair for this movie. He's blonde now. I don't think I've ever really seen him blonde and, you know, becomes this role. He's a great actor. He emotes very well, you know, and, and he's just very good at what he does. You don't see him a whole lot, but he's very much an actor. He's a family man, devout Catholic, if I'm not mistaken. And, He's just a very good pick for this role. He plays it very well. Now, here's the thing about this movie, though, is it's very quiet. You know, the movie's called Sound of Freedom, right? But this movie is so quiet. You know, this movie starts off, we start off with singing and this little girl in her bedroom singing and padding. And that's where the movie kind of takes off. We get to know Rocio and her brother Miguel. And then we see what happens to them, how they kind of disappear. And then we get into Tim Ballard and that story. And it's very quiet. And I thought that was such an interesting thing. It unnerved me a little bit because I'm so used to heavy exposition, exposition, right? Given a lot of detail, we don't know a whole lot about this man. What we know about him is what he gives us and he doesn't give us a whole lot. What we know about this man just from the very little that we get is that he has a very intense job that carries a heavy weight. That's what we get. The silence is so loud in this movie. This movie really takes advantage of the moments where there's just silence. And it's complete silence. And it's heavy. The white noise is kind of just sucked out. I mean, I could go on about the sound editing in this movie. I thought it was just so well done. But Just from what he's not saying, what we get is that this is a man who has a very intense job, who's very dedicated to this job. He carries the weight of his job, and he's very much affected by the images that he has to see on a regular basis. He's also a family man, and he comes home to a family that loves him. They're excited to see him, and he's excited to see them. But even still, he can't shake off the weight when he walks through his front doors, and he has a wife who loves him very much and is very supportive of him and pushes and encourages him. She's such a supportive figure in this Mira Sorvino. But it's interesting, though, because we don't see a lot of Mira Sorvino in this movie. We don't hear a lot from her. She's just kind of this, this piece of background noise. We are just given this little bit of information that he has a very supportive wife, and that's all we need to know. She that Her presence in that way kind of carries throughout the movie. Beautifully done. So, yeah, this movie is just very quiet. We don't get a whole lot. And I think that's intentional because we're, we're seeing what's happening through a man's eyes. And men, especially men who work very high stress, whether it's physical or mental jobs, they tend to internalize a lot. I think men in general tend to internalize a lot there. They don't always express their emotions. They should, but they don't. I mean, men and women are very different in that way. So that's what the, the, the sense here is that everything is very internalized and men don't always say a lot, but they show a lot, which is so beautifully done here because the images really do speak for themselves. This movie was just quality. Well done. This was such a good movie. Such a good movie. And it was just intense. My goodness. And we get a lot of close-ups of his face. Because again, he doesn't say a lot. We have to pay attention to the little details. This is a movie where the director was very intentional. Shut up and watch. Pay attention to the little details. Pay attention to what's happening in the movie. Pay attention to how all these pieces are moving and they're interconnected. The network of individuals who are part of this evil billion dollar industry of selling human beings children in particular for sex and it's crazy it's it's it, it really just kind of this movie is designed to sit on your soul and impress you into a a, a a state of discomfort this movie has a goal that it sets out to do and it does it I don't know what else to say. Like, it's just, I might have to do like a part two review because I'm still processing. I'm still processing this movie. Golly, if I have to say, this is probably one of the best films I've seen all year. All right. So let's just slow down for a hot second because I feel like we're getting our, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. So let's just kind of break the film down and talk about, you know, all the normal little elements here. So direction. We have Alejandro Monteverde. I don't know much about him. I don't think I've ever heard of him before. So he is a new name for me. Let's look him up real quick here on Rotten Tomatoes because I I pretty much live on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. Oh, sorry. So he directed a movie called Bella. Bella is a Christian film that came out. Golly, I had to been in college. It's 2006. I did not know that he. That's why the dude looked familiar. Okay, so the dude who's in this movie, Eduardo Verastegui, that's how my... American standard English brain pronounces his last name was also in the movie Bella kept trying to place him where do I know him from okay a a couple of the actors who are in that movie are here as well so you have Mr. Eduardo Manny Perez is also in this movie so you know he's one of those auteurs who you know has his his people these are his people whom he likes to work with so yeah, he directed a movie called Bella. Makes sense. So that movie, if you've never seen it, I love that movie. Um, I actually watched it in church. I think, I can't remember. We, we got to screen it. I think the director may have given us a special screening. I can't remember, but I was in college and we watched the movie in church called Bella and it's about abortion. Beautifully done film. I enjoyed that movie very much. Um, he was also was a director of a movie called Little Boy. I don't know anything about that one either. And then also he is directing a movie or has directed a movie. It comes out next year, apparently on international Women's day called Cabrini about a nun. I actually got to see the preview for that right before sound of freedom. So yeah, he, he's not new. He doesn't have a huge resume, but yeah. Okay. He directed Bella. That makes sense. Um, As to why he would, tackle such a bold topic so this is a man who is a man of god he is a christian as far as i know and has decided to take kind of a christian approach to these heavy topics but this is a this is definitely obviously a christian film but it's there's something different here this isn't your typical run-of-the-mill kind of christian movie i'm starting to see a, a shift in christian cinema where we're getting kind of away from the you know cutesy um fake, everyone's happy and smiling until they're not kind of Christian movies. And we're starting to get into the realness of Christian life in general, Um, because a phrase that plays in this movie is, you know, God's children are not for sale. Beautiful statement, right? So yeah, that's who this director is. Again, this director made a conscious decision to let the images in this movie speak for themselves. And he trusted, you know, Jim Caviezel's talent enough to put him kind of center frame a lot of this movie, allowing his facial expressions to also kind of tell the story here. Um, Just a lot of different directorial cho- choices here that were so interesting and in moments of framing where there's a lot of focus on a singular room this feeling of being kind of trapped in a small space or just saying look here focus here and then just releasing the sound just taking it away completely and just- hey it's ryan reynolds and i'm here with keith co-star of my upcoming film if only in theaters may 17th Do you want to tell people the big news giving us complete unnerving silence. And you know, this this moment at the very beginning of the movie where we're with, you know, Rocio, her brother Miguel, and her father, and he drops them off at room 204, you know, for this fake audition. And we kind of zoom away And we know what's happening because we know what this movie is about. We know what's what, who this woman is who's come to her home, to their home to say, Hey, they should come audition. We know what's going to happen. We know what's going to happen behind this room. And we're left with this nagging feeling because he zooms kind of away from the door and puts it center frame surrounded by black. I think what's the, I think image box is what we called it when I was in school. I think that's the proper name for it. I have to look it up, but kind of this image box blacked out image of just the door in complete silence. And we are I think we're all waiting to hear what's happening behind the door. And then we get a glimpse behind the door and it's a fake little photo shoot. Just, just little choices like that, where he plays games with the sound, taking it away, giving us more, giving us these quiet moments where all we have is the sound of people breathing or just the images and the, the, the motion of the movie itself kind of playing before us, allowing the story to really just kind of tell itself. Of great, great for him. I really appreciated that. Now, in terms of acting here, we have Jim Caviezel again. He's not new. He's been around for quite a while. And I think the supporting cast here is very, very major. I think the weakest part of the supporting cast here is definitely Mira. Mira Oh, my goodness. Miss Sorvino, who plays his wife, but she has to be weak. And I think she has to be weak because she can't be too loud. This is a man who doesn't have a whole lot of words. And when you have a man who doesn't have a whole lot of words, typically you have a woman or a wife who does. And I think if we were to kind of get more of who he is from her, it would have been too much noise. So she kind of has to take a step back and just be a presence. Just be there for him. Be supportive. Give us just enough to to remind us that he has something to lose. Then in the midst of him going on this dangerous mission to rescue this one girl, he has something to lose, that he's not just fighting for himself. He's not trying to, you know, free his conscience because, you know, he's been doing this good work on one side of the screen, not really bothering himself with, with what's happening on the other. This is him fighting for something bigger than that. We we're reminded of that constantly. So she has to be a quiet presence, but also a big presence and a supportive presence, you know. Women are just strong like that. I just love it. So what else can we talk about here? I talked a little bit about the cinematography, the sound, the acting. Going back to that, the young woman who plays Rocio, 11-year-old Rocio. So she is kind of the center of gravity of this story. She's kind of the, the middle of everything. She is why this story is moving the way it is. Because, you know, Jim Caviezel's character, Tim Ballard, rescues this young boy named Miguel, finds out he has a sister and is determined, makes a promise to find her. And ends up tracing her down to Colombia because he finds out that this young boy was, you know, somewhere in Cartagena, Colombia, somewhere on the beach. And that's kind of where they split up. You know, she stayed somewhere in Cartagena and he was flown to Tijuana and somehow ended up with the border about to be sold to Tim Ballard, the FBI agent. So he makes his way down to Columbia to find this young girl. And we're given just enough about this little girl to know who she is as a person, her character, her hopes and dreams, just enough for us to remember the innocence and the beauty of childhood and children. She encompasses so much in such a little, uh, such a short amount of time that we're we're really kind of attached to her. We're we're determined to, to find her, to figure out what happened for her. We understand the mission at hand, that it's all about her. And yet in the midst of this mission, It's all, you know, he ends up saving all these other children kind of reminded me of Forrest Gump. Right. So the scene in Forrest Gump, you know, when he goes to rescue Bubba and he ends up rescuing all these other guys in the process. And it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. Miraculous thing. He gets a medal for it. But we're still even though he's doing all these good things, he's rescued all these people. We as an audience and, and him as Forrest, we're still focused on Bubba. Even though he saved all these and rescued all these children, and he's taken down all these traffickers, he's done this amazing thing. We're still asking the question, where is Rocio? What happened to Rocio? She has such an amazing presence in this movie, Little Girl Named Cristal, beautiful young lady, incredibly brave. What a performance, My, The things that she had to do to portray this character, the emotions she had to portray, you know, sitting on a bed while a man who's drunk carrying liquor in one hand and a glass in another, you know, knowing what that moment is. And then the moments afterwards, she's sitting in a bathtub. We know why she's sitting in a bathtub, not just to clean herself, but to ease the soreness. If you're a woman, you know. And I might cry just thinking about that because that moment was so heartbreaking and so powerful the, the moment when we finally see her and we realize she's still alive the emptiness in her eyes when she gets rescued and the the, the disbelief the just the, the shock She had to carry and portray. She had to, she couldn't just speak for Rocio. She's speaking for so many other children who are caught in such an incredibly evil and dangerous situation. Just the evilness of human trafficking. She has to encompass all of that and be an 11 year old girl at the same time. She deserves so much praise and accolades for this. Um, what an incredible young woman. Bravo to her. Bra freaking vo. Now I want to pivot. Quite a bit here. I can't remember if I mentioned this earlier or not, but this movie was actually filmed in 2018. You know, principal photography began in summer 2018 and ended the same year. However, it's 2023 and this is just making its way to theaters. Now, it did have a film festival release this past November and then it got picked up several months later by a production company and now here it is in theaters. What took so long? So while you're watching the movie, the credits are rolling, it lets you know at the bottom of the screen that there's going to be a special um, a special message in like 2 minutes and 30 seconds. And it's Jim Caviezel and he's telling us a little more about, you know, this mission behind the movie and that's when I found out this movie was actually filmed 5 years ago. So I looked it up and sure enough, 2018, this movie was filmed i'm like well what the heck now here here's the tangent part okay so Stay with me, so y'all know how Disney is kind of like um not doing so well right now, so Disney is fixing to lose a lot of money, okay under all their subsidiaries there's there's a lot of money that's going to be lost. They're probably going to lose somewhere around a hundred thousand a hundred million dollars on the Little mermaid. They are going to lose money. they spend way too much money on Indiana Jones they are going to lose money on that they're gonna lose crazy amount of money on Elemental and they have the Haunted Mansion coming out. They're probably going to end up losing money on that. They're only saving grace this year is going to be Wish. Never mind, you know, Marvel. They were able to, you know, make budget and break even with Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, Volume 3. However, Ant-Man and Quantumania, whatever it's called, was basically a flop. And they made a little bit of money off of uh, Wakanda Forever, but not a whole whole lot disney's not doing so well they're struggling creatively they're struggling struggling to tell real honest stories this is where i'm going with this so this movie again was filmed in 2018 right so this is from wikipedia i'm just gonna read it the film was completed in 2018 and a distribution deal was made with 21st century fox however that studio was acquired by walt disney pictures which shelved the film the filmmakers reportedly spent years trying to get the distribution rights back from Disney and take it to theaters. So Disney has had this movie sitting on their shelves for years. I'm sure there's more to the story, but the producers of the film finally got the distribution rights back. And here it is. I mean, I'm a, you know, woman of God here, so I don't quite believe in karma, but, um, There is a sound that goes around on TikTok and it pops up every once in a while. And it's, it's hilarious. Cause it basically says, you know, I'm not saying she deserved it, but I'm saying God's timing is always right. Play with God if you want to. Okay. I I feel like this was just justice, you kid, This movie is so powerful. It's so beautiful. It's so bold. It's so necessary. This is the kind of movie that can change lives and change the world. It's, such, it's so heavy. It's so moving. And it's not even manipulative. Again, this movie just kind of lets these images, these real images, you know, obviously this is, you know, fictionalized for film. But these very real circumstances and situations in which these things actually happen and lets the story tell itself. It's so powerful. And Disney has kept it under lock and key until very recently like what the heck but it's okay disney got theirs now they're struggling how do you like them apples So this is the part of the podcast where I speak directly to the parents and let them know, is this movie appropriate for your child or not? Now, I've already posted my little mini review on TikTok and Instagram, and I've already had a couple of parents say, you know, I really want my daughters to see this. I don't know if I can handle it or, you know, I'm just not sure I can handle it. Okay, hear me, you know, hear the compassion in my voice when I say this. Get over it. Suck it up. Get over it. This is important because this could happen to anybody for one and two. This is too important an issue to ignore. I think this puts a very human perspective on something we talk about in very clinical terms. So there's that aspect of it. And two, if you're a parent, you especially need to watch this movie, if anything, for the first, I'd say, 15 minutes, because what happens to these um, this these two young children, Rocio and Miguel, how they're trafficked could happen to you in your own living room, because this is what happens here is obviously this, you know, this person who is called Giselle Um sees Rocio and decides to mark her, you know, and then meets her little brother and decides, yep, them. But how does he get to the kid? How does she get to them? It's not like she goes up to her, you know, when she's in a park or she's playing and then snatches her that way. No, she waits until the girl is in the comfort of her own home, knocks on her door and sits down and speaks to her father. Giselle convinces her father to trust her. That's how grooming works. I don't know why some of you parents can't get this through your thick little skulls. That's why you have so many people in uproar at teachers over interesting and sensitive topics, right? And this is why you have a lot of these, you know, school boards and teachers who are fighting back against parents because if you can't get to the parent, you can't get to the child. Nine out of 10, that's kind of how it works. That's how grooming works. They're not just grooming your child. They're grooming you. I don't know if you've ever heard like an interview with a known pedophile or, you know, talked about this is how I groom. A lot of the times, I say a good chunk of the time, the way they get to the child is they go to they go through the parent. They become somebody the parent can trust so that, you know, leaving your child alone with them is not that big of a deal. That's how these kids are recruited or that recruited such an awful word. But our lured into sex trafficking is through their father. This adult who presents herself as someone trustworthy and who can, you know, you know, give her daughter, give his daughter all these opportunities makes herself seem trustworthy to the father. And that's how he lets his guard down. That's how grooming happens. So if you're someone sitting there, I don't know if I can handle it. Suck it up. You need to watch it for the first 15 minutes at the very least, because that's how somebody is going to get your kid. And you don't need to be sitting in a rundown house and take goose. For that to happen, it could happen in your living room. It could happen at your parent teacher meeting. It could happen at church. It could happen at the mall. That neighbor down the street who just wants to come over and say hi, who takes a little too much interest in your kid, but they want to be your friend too. The first 15 minutes, if anything, is vital for you as a parent. And I think the rest is very much vital for your child. Now, there's some cussing in this. Obviously, this is a very heavy subject matter. As a parent, you need to decide how you want to approach this with your kid. But I'm not going to sit here and say, well, I'm not sure. No, your child needs to see this. You need to see this. Suck it up. Get over it. Buy a ticket. That's all I'm going to say about that. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to me rant and rave about yet another movie. So that was Sound of Freedom directed by Alejandro Monteverde. Just to sum it all up, I thought this movie was wonderful. Definitely one of the best I've seen this year. So glad I was able to catch it. Highly recommend buying a ticket and seeing it yourself. If you are a parent, suck it up. Get over your issues. You need to see this. So, what is coming up? So, Insidious also comes out at the end of the week. Definitely looking forward to that. So, expect a review for that on Friday. And then next week, I don't know why I thought Mission Impossible and Barbie and Oppenheimer were all coming out on the same weekend. I could have sworn they were all coming out on the same weekend, but maybe I'm crazy. So, um, Mission Impossible comes out next week. And I'm waiting to buy a ticket for that. It actually comes out next Wednesday, I think, in Wednesday the 12th i'm hoping to catch kind of an early showing of it so that i can still go to church wednesday night yeah i'm crazy like that and then the next week oh gosh i can't wait it's oppenheimer i am so excited i'm looking forward to it I already got my ticket all i need to do right now is just convince my best friend to also see barbie with me she'll be with me that week so she's gonna see oppenheimer with me already got her ticket and um she's gonna do the podcast review with me um Oppenheimer and possibly Barbie if I can talk her into seeing two movies at once but you know it's so hot she might be wanting to stay inside anyway anyways yeah so that's what's happening in the coming weeks again July is stacked y'all so yeah Insidious comes out this week Mission Impossible Oppenheimer Barbie The Haunted Mansion a lot's going on and then a horror movie another horror movie at the end of this month this is a very stacked summer it's not always like this, so yeah. That that's what's happening. That's what's coming up. Ah, oh, that was wonderful. Highly recommend. If you've seen it already, let me know what you thought. If you are going to see it, let me know when. I love y'all a ton. This was so much fun. How that rhyme? Right. I will see you guys soon.